Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so we're back and it was a short and sharp, wasn't it? A frantic Saturday which decided many managers of the game week saw goals galore, beginning with North London being turned red one more time by a Staffy and Sanchez combo. Sorry then to Nick, who joins me today, along with our in-house statistician Ewan. Uh, so Ewan's a former colleague of mine, we're, we're work friends in, in some ways, and I think, uh, Ewan, why don't you introduce yourself to the good people and tell us about you and your relationship with FPL? Sure, so I'm Ewan, I've been playing and whinging about FPL for the last four seasons, uh, since all the way back in 2013-14 season. Um, I actually started in the second game week that year um, and ended up in the game week 2 top 20 overall. I don't know if that's a boast. Um, and top 13k overall. Shout out to Ross Barkley and Adnan Yanazai as the uh, budget midfield that year. Um, after a couple of seasons in the top 100k wilderness, uh, I managed the top 5k finish last time out, which is the best so far. Um, hopefully those are some reasonable credentials. Um, I enjoyed that little nostalgia trip anyway. Um, I can be found doing programming data science type stuff uh, in my real life, uh, which is a passion I've been trying to combine with FPL a bit. Some of that we'll get onto later. Uh, I'm also a Newcastle fan, so I'm enjoying the season's return of that harrowing dichotomy of captaining players against your own team, which is never good for your own well-being. Uh, but just wanted to say thanks for having me, guys. Honoured to be the debut guest. Hopefully I'll get lucky and say some reasonable things without too many embarrassments or Brazilian mispronunciations. Thank you very much, Ewan. We're really looking forward to having you on here this week. So welcome. Well, my week was an absolute celebration, but we'll get on to that in a little minute. I think first we should say one more time who we are. We are Who Got The Assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL and online at whogottheassist.com. Follow us and subscribe if you like what you hear. Cool. Uh, so on this pod today, we'll, as usual, recap the game we've just gone before launching into our features section. We'll look at the anti-metas having the Stormer, thanks to the Wilson, and also have some statistics in the Speaker's Corner today as Ewan talks us through his model. Um, we published that earlier on today. Uh, have a look at that along with our brand new site. Sadly, there's no Neon Watch this week, Nick. Uh, but we'll, of course, with Ewan's help, uh, take and answer your questions after that in the community section. Yes, thanks very much, guys. So, Ewan, how was your game week to start with? I, I think I saw in the mini-league you were the only reason I had a red arrow, and it's because you're now topping um, our own little team league, so congratulations to that. But go on, tell us about your week. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about uh, yeah, granting that red flag, but um, I got 93 this week. Um, it was a high-scoring week, but that was pretty good, I think. Uh, owed much to a masterclass in defence, so Moreno was actually my lowest scorer at the back with a paltry six. Uh, Pope and Daniels got me eight. Uh, 
Yeah, Pope got two bonus points from one save. Yeah, he got saved in the 90th minute or something, didn't yeah. he? <laughs> uh, Walker with nine and Alonso with m- massive 14 doing the business. Uh, Fabregas repaid some unwavering faith uh, with some routine Salah, Richarlison, goals in the midfield. Um, and yeah, Kane and Lukaku up front for me uh, weren't pulling up too many trees, uh, but the latter had my captain's armband, so at least he got a single goal. Um, so Kane and Sterling were the only letdowns, basically, with Loftus-Cheek outscoring both of those from the bench. Um, otherwise, it looked like everyone was having fun. It took me into the top 50k, which was a touch. Yeah, that's brilliant. I guess I was only a little bit behind you with my uh, 83 points, which um, was a game week rank of 200,000, which I was very pleased with. Um, Alonso was probably one of the heroes um, at the back with a 14-pointer. Also, my transfer, Daniels, coming in with a cheeky two bonus points and a clean sheet. Uh, Ward, again, Burnley, clean sheet, fantastic. Um, Sterling Blank and Kane Blank, but also points from Richarlison, Salah, again, uh, Jesus and Captain Morata. So, yeah, good week as well for me and uh, up to 70k. So, uh, how, how are you doing, yeah, well, Tom? Well, well, <laughs> done, well done, boys. You're making me feel incredibly uh, incredibly useless. So, I got a sweet 69. I got Golonzo, Salah, uh, Lukaku, Captain, 12 points. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still in the millions, unfortunately. The auto subs and the uh, Brighton and Stoke outputs last night really caned my uh, my score but yeah you know I'm hopeful to finally be in six figures before long but yeah it's quite a depressing state of affairs isn't it but I was I was actually quite happy because uh well, Nick, the early game, uh, my side, Arsenal, defeated yours to the surprise of many. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, incredibly, again, Ozil, Sanchez and Lacazette all on the pitch together and they all performed. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the best of games for Spurs, was it? It was a little bit disappointing, a little bit of disappointing start to the week in general with us all owning Harry Kane as well. He's looking at a little bit out of form. I think he might be still slightly injured. Mm. You know, like yeah. obviously, it just wasn't a great performance from him. But he actually, he actually did have the most attempts alongside Ashley Barnes. So he still, he still was getting his shots on. He just doesn't seem to be hitting the back of the net at the moment. I think a few blocks on them just didn't didn't work out for him again. Yeah, I saw Poch has lost four of the last six derbies, uh, which is quite incredible. I also heard from the co-commentators, which made me laugh a lot when I was driving, that Kane was wearing a strap on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you and what did you, what did you think about this match? Yeah, I mean, I was surprised how much of a routine win it seemed for Arsenal. I, don't, I can't remember Spurs being built, beaten that comprehensively um, before. But I, I say we always expect Kane to have a lot of shots. That's no surprise. Um, I worry that Ali's downturn in output is actually affecting Kane as well. Um, but I'm certainly feeling uh, possibly bringing in my first Arsenal player of the season quite soon. Um, I think Ozil actually um, looks like his underlying stats have actually exceeded his output. Um, so I think he's definitely one to consider. That's, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it'll be a very interesting differential actually because I think Ozil is, is ownership is very small at the moment. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that'll be that'll be interesting if you actually actually go for it and bring him in. At the moment, I think there's too many other midfielders for me to to look at him right now. And same with Sanchez as well. I think Sanchez he had another stormer of a game, but I think he's just slightly overpriced at the moment I think Mustafi as well and he he looks like a really good option he's the one I'm actually looking at in terms of Arsenal players if he can stay fit I think he's only priced about 5.2 5.3 at the moment so you know he's he's very cheap to bring in so you could if you've got Phil Jones for instance and obviously Phil Jones is perma at the moment you that could be a, a straight swap that with a lot of potential they've got Burnley and Huddersfield up next so 
potential clean sheets there as well. Yeah, I, I also sorry, just wanted to say with Sanchez, I feel like I, I've noticed. I don't know if it's because he's leaving at the end of the the season that he seems to be trying a lot of very ambitious passes, taking it on too many players. Seems to be getting dispossessed a lot, giving the ball away a lot, and I wonder if that's going to affect his bonus points as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that'll penalise it in the same way that uh, Richarlison seems to be penalised week to week. Uh, let's move on to Bournemouth and Huddersfield. So, uh, Wilson, I mean, you mentioned Barnes and Kane uh, getting have, having attempts. I mean, Wilson has had five attempts, three were on target, three went in. Um, is that sustainable? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, who's brought him in? Me. But, well, the- More importantly, the dark side has had him as captain. So, uh, yeah, what's a, what's a player? Only 5.9 or 6.0 now. And uh, you had uh, Charlie Daniels, didn't you, Nick? So I mentioned Charlie Daniels in my intro. Uh, brought him in uh, for Cedric. Turned out to be a, a fantastic move in the end with a, a nice eight-pointer from Mr. Daniels. Didn't really do much in the game, so I don't know where he got those two bonus points from. But, um, I mean, Bournemouth were down to ten men because of uh, Simon Francis's red card. So they ended up defending really well against a, a very poor Huddersfield, it has to be said. Yeah, I think they're looking at relegation fodder, aren't they? <clears throat> to move on swiftly to... Another team looking at relegation fodder, uh, Swansea uh, 2-0 to loss away to Burnley. Um, featuring a Stephen Ward, who's now up to 5.0, the most owned defender. Uh, games like this show, I guess, why having a Burnley defender is absolutely necessary, right? Well, yeah, I mean, he missed out on the bonus points again, unfortunately, because he got a yellow card. So it was only the five points for him, but yeah, no, very happy with the Burnley defence. That's another clean sheet for them. Maybe they can keep one against Arsenal, I don't know, but I'm, I'm actually going to bench him this week, I think. Oh, yeah, I, I'm, I've got Tarko in as my first ever clean sheet from Burnley this season. And uh, yeah, I think I'll be playing Tarko against Arsenal just because I've got Norton. At least it's not Norton. Well, yeah, coming he was quite unlucky um, with the goal that was ruled offside, actually, wasn't he? Yeah, Tarko. So maybe he'll be able to do something. I mean, what, what do you think you're in the Burnley defence so far? Well, I've had Pope uh, in the sticks since my wild card, um, and I've yeah just been absolutely delighted with him so far. I think we've known that Burnley goalkeepers have, have been particularly culpable for bonus points because of the, the, the long ball game and obviously the, the defenders don't really have many successful passes so the goalkeepers can actually end up doing really well in that side um, and yeah he managed to get two bonus points with a solitary save so um, I'm yeah very happy with, with my Burnley guy. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I think I think even though they've got Arsenal next, I mean they've got Bournemouth away, Leicester, Leicester away, Watford, and then Stoke at home. So I wouldn't be surprised. I mean the, the ownership of Burnley defenders is so high that I think in the in the meta team they're going to be part of that defence. So having one of those defenders there is going to be what everyone else has anyway. Yeah, I mean they look like superheroes at the moment, don't they? I think <laughs> uh, it's, it's surprised just looking at the Premier League where Burnley are right now. They're like you know up alongside the likes of Arsenal, Liverpool, just a point from Spurs. It's just very impressive. It is definitely. Uh, Crystal Palace Everton then um, Ruben Loftus-Cheek an assist in the first minute that was probably as good as it got for me this game week unfortunately compared to how good you guys have done um, but he's auditioning for that consistent spot I think Loftus-Cheek now uh, he's been kind of widely derided as a magic bean but like last year we you know we had Kapu for a certain period and Joe Allen to some extent and that enabled an investment elsewhere so could it be that our RLC becomes that man I mean, Crystal Palace over the, over the Christmas have really good fixtures I mean what do you guys think about him? I think I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek has been 
it's been an ever present for me in that fifth midfield spot. Um, I, th- I think his his positions on the field that he's taking up are really encouraging, uh, and I think he's essentially got a lot to offer to that team. Um, and for four point five million, I don't think you're really going to get better there. Yeah, I mean, a couple of assists was also impressing for England. Just looks like you you know the real deal, and he's obviously very cheap. So everyone's got him on the bench at the moment. But it's a case of where we're starting him week in week out. So I'm thinking I was going to play um, Vimmer against Crystal Palace but after that match last night I'm just not I'm thinking maybe I should um, switch around and, and start Loftus-Cheek myself actually next yeah, week yeah give him a run out I mean he he's basically means that maybe Zaha is going to um, have a, a lack of, there'll be a lack of interest in Zaha maybe because of Loftus-Cheek people might be looking at Zaha and Loftus-Cheek and thinking well I've got Loftus-Cheek so I've quote unquote covered the Palace midfield there might be no point in doing that the other side um, Nias won a penalty uh, got a goal and we've found out today that he's uh, perhaps going to be suspended so the 100,000 people or so who brought him in are probably kicking themselves now yeah that's, that's absolutely daft bringing in a player early and I think he ri- he's risen already so a lot of people are trying to jump on the wagon at his price but no just just be patient <laughs> no. I mean it, it, there was a lot of debate about whether it was a dive or not and it looked like he, he received a touch he received a slight touch and so maybe he hadn't dived but the jury, um, the jury's out on it, and it looks like he, he might be suspended. Yeah, apart from that, the only other tip in the Everton team, apart from Bainesy acting like it's 2009 all over again, is a uh, is John Joe Kenny at 4.3 starts <laughs> his fourth game, gets another one point. <laughs> finally, attacking returns for Sigurdsson as well. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, Siggy coming back onto the radar. But I mean, what do you think of Everton you in this season? Uh, how, how have you been viewing them? As- well, I th- I think uh, I like a lot of people actually avoided them at the start of the season because of that horrendous fixture. But still had the impression that based on the investment, they were actually going to end up being quite a decent outfit. Um, but it just hasn't materialised since the the fixtures have uh, turned up. And there's budget price defenders that I think are probably going to be the the interesting one. Like you've just mentioned, uh, if John Joe Kenny or another can secure that right side of the defence, um, and Leighton Baines, who we know has very particular set of skills uh, he's penalty taking. he's obviously on the penalties so you know if Nias continues you know his, his rich theatrics then Baines is going to be yeah in the goals yeah well, it could be one of those moments where, uh, where we're playing like it was four years ago it could benefit you uh, moving on to Manchester City I and mean, we're going to talk about them a lot I think in the community questions a bit later on um, I mean KDB what a great goal that was um, can we ever consider him again 10.1 start of the season I think we all had him we were all a bit disappointed about the, the quarterback role he seems to be playing and then now he seems to be getting forward and getting the points again so how do we uh, compute this guys I still think even though KDB is, is the most nailed perhaps of all the Manchester City attackers He's just too expensive, again, to own. When you've got the likes of Sane as well, I think I'd much rather own Sane over KDB. I've got Sterling and Jesus, and um, they just give me rotation anxiety every week. But I think Sane is, is a better asset to own than KDB right now still. Yeah, I mean, Pep was saying he he now plays left, doesn't he, because of Mendy's injury. I mean, what were you saying? You were saying pre-pod about, about Sterling, you, and you also own him. <laughs> so do we. Uh, what, what are your views on him? So I think we've all accepted that Man City are the most uh, impressive uh, team going forward um, and they're also the most culpable of rotating those attacking assets. Uh, a lot of people's tactics has been to essentially pick pick one and just stick with um, and Sterling has become a player that has really impressed with his output goal-wise. 8.1 million, I think he's 
at a price where if you're covered in the rest of your team, if you if you have got assets elsewhere to bring in off the bench, then he's worth the rotation risk. Um, I think having owned Jesus, it's it's been really stressful, um, and captaining him when he's come off the bench for 20 minutes Ooh. is <laughs> really nasty. Um, and I, I've I've actually had Walker in for the last uh, six or seven weeks. Oh, since, that's, since actually quite, that's quite a good one, under the radar as well. Yeah, I mean, he's very expensive, but at least you won't be like rolling and scratching every night, like yeah. <laughs> wondering whether he's going to get like 10 minutes on the pitch, because I think Walker's now, I've also got Otamendi. He um, had his rest because of his suspension this week, but he'll be back now with Stone's injury. I'm hoping he's going to be nailed over the Christmas period, and he's, he's quite well-priced as well. Oh, and he's there is attacking I, threat too. Yeah, I do have a worry that with the Stone's injury and with companies' likelihood to, to kind of collapse at any moment, that a partnership of Otamendi and Mangala might not be so strong and could see the clean sheet potential for that, that side uh, dip. Definitely, but I think they have improved defensively a lot, especially with Edison um, coming in over Calamity Claudio, who just couldn't, <laughs> couldn't save a shot last season. Yeah, I know, I know. Right, okay, uh, moving on to Liverpool Southampton. I mean, only one man again that we should probably talk about. I mean, it's just kind of become a hygiene factor, hasn't it, that Salah's going to do something. I probably should have capoed uh, the first goal, particularly. What a great finish. I mean, is he essential, do you think? I mean, we only lose out to captains through. Um, owning him I think that basically everyone owns him therefore any points he gets is practically at zero um, but uh, do we think he's essential do you have to have him now yeah I think he's he's definitely essential I mean it's interesting because I'm thinking I'm starting to think about whether ha- owning two midfielders within the Liverpool team might be a shout right now obviously they got Chelsea next but after that they've got a great run of fixtures Stoke, Brighton, Everton, West Brom and um, Coutinho he, he's really under the radar at the moment he's actually got a a points per match of 7.2 which is only 0.1 under Salah's point per match so you know he's actually performing really well as well he's only 8.8 so he's a potential option within the Liverpool midfield as well I think Salah has performed above all expectations even though a lot of us I think were tipping him to be uh, a real asset Um, he's he's scoring at a rate of a premium striker Um, he's having plenty of shots every game and having a, a player that you're that confident of captaining in in games at that price is uh, really good yeah he's been an ex discovery hasn't he um, because he like basically if you watch him play and you watch him Firmino is the man who tends to be drifting out to the wing and Salah is in the middle in the centre forward position a lot of the time and I think someone calculated this week that if he keeps going at the current rate he's looking at over 220 points which is absolutely fantastic and you, I think that he's just one of those where if you haven't got him you've kind of got to just bite the bullet and bring him in it's kind of a bit like Ramsey's situation a few years ago where you know like or Mares a couple of years ago too where if you didn't own him, like you were holding out and thinking, yeah, he's got to stop, he's got to stop. But I mean, we're 13 game weeks in now, and he's he's still performing. So I think you can't really get around that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he's he's got 42 shot goal attempts now in total. He just looks like a proper steam machine, doesn't he? Yeah, I think I think the the return of Mane and Coutinho um, is going to help these attacking players as well. You know that Liverpool have a very interchangeable attack, um, and with different players to potentially. Um, take some of the heat off Salah as he becomes maybe more of a marked man um, is just going to help him carry on. Yeah, exactly. And I think on the other side of it, Southampton, uh, your university town, Nick, they were absolutely appalling, weren't they? I mean, what, yeah, they what can you say about uh, about it's that? It's just a bit depressing, and I can tell by like the attitude from the our Southampton fans on Twitter as well. Like they're just just 
performing so poorly. You have to worry about their manager. He's surely um, close to the sack now, even though he's only been in the job for a couple of months. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think a lot of people did bring in Southampton players at the start of the year because they had an obscenely good fixture fixture run for the first nine or ten games. Um, but they've got Everton, City, uh, Bournemouth away, Arsenal. They're pretty much due a really tough festive period. Um, so I think people are probably going to be steering clear of Southampton for the foreseeable. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Another team that, uh, to, to do an awkward segue onwards that people are going to be uh, avoiding is, is West Brom. Uh, so TP, Tony Pulis, has had his office TP'd, toilet papered, and he's gone. Uh, West Brom are uh, awfully poor, and uh, the Murata obviously paid dividends for you, Nick. We all got the Golonzo oh, yeah. goal. And of course Hazard with the 18 points as well. Exactly. I, mean, it, I, mean, I think he, he looks like he's back as well, and the combination between him and Murata is looking very promising. If you saw the, the flick that Murata gave to Hazard um, for, for that goal was... Uh, absolutely brilliant like he knew where Hazard was um, the, the relationship there is looking very encouraging for, for me potentially bringing in Hazard because of the amount of people who seem to have Morata yeah they're just looking really alive right now aren't they Chelsea and the, after the Liverpool game they've just got a great run of fixtures Swansea at home Newcastle at home West Ham away Huddersfield away I can see in all four of, the, four of those games I can see them scoring three four goals and keeping clean sheets as well so it's almost looking like you could potentially triple up with Chelsea if you get someone like Alonso Hazard Morata it's a lot of money to be spending on Chelsea but they're just looking on real form at the moment yeah I mean we, we kind of heavily trailed uh, this period of time for owning Chelsea and we've hold, held Alonso and you and you've got Alonso as well held him for this long and we're kind of extolling his virtues week to week because of the shots per game which were just leading for defenders and I think that third goal was particularly good for us because it was beginning to look a bit shaky us holding on to him but I'm well, glad yeah, he's reassessed I think, yeah, we've, been, I've, we've both had Alonso since the beginning of the season I think you got him in game week three actually after yeah, I got last week so you yeah. missed it's game week two all didn't you so, I uh, did so yeah it's, it's been a bit shaky especially with Azpilicueta getting all the assists week in week out but I kind of felt that Alonso would come come to at some point and get us some decent returns and it was, it was finally time well, so West Brom have got Spurs next. I mean, we're going to talk about obviously Kane and about captaincies later. But do do we think that you know Gary Megson is going to sort them out? I mean, uh, they're in a kind of. Str- well, I was speaking to FPL Rich earlier. He's a West Brom fan. He was in saying it's a ridiculous situation when they've gotten rid of a firefighter in Tony Pulis and they're going to bring in perhaps another firefighter in Big Fat Sam. So it just seems like you're going to keep kind of perpetuating this cycle. I mean, next week again, uh, do we think there's any hope for them against Spurs uh, or will, will it kind of be quite a tight affair, do we think? Well, you have to worry about them. Obviously, Dawson's injured. Higatsi's making a lot of mistakes. No longer the most owned defender because Stephen Ward has taken that crown. The likes of um, McCauley and Barry, they're basically in the retirement home now, aren't they? I don't <laughs> know what they're doing. Still on the pitch. So, uh. But you've touched on it. I think McCauley has had his injury problems. Dawson has had his injury problems. Johnny Evans has been out and has been you know, linked with other clubs. The defence hasn't seemed as stable a unit as it did last year. Last year it was pretty much uh, a banker to own a West Brom defender. Um, the prices re- rose this season. We saw five millions across the board, including Neom, obviously. Um, but at, at the moment, it just doesn't seem like a settled unit that you really want to be dishing out that kind of money on. No, I wouldn't be surprised with that. Uh, moving on to the the late game, it was Man United. It was four one. That it was your team, Newcastle. You and despite the early glimmer of hope, um, uh, well, what's that like watching as Newcastle fan? I mean, do, do you kind of think that United? Oh, you captain Lukaku, right? I did. I captain Lukaku against your own team. Yeah, madness. Yeah. 
Ooh. I mean, I yeah, and I brought in Lukaku this week for Jesus. Um, I, I really should have gone with Morata, I think, which was is kind of my long-term ploy. But I brought in Lukaku having that kind of captaincy FOMO, expecting him to go off against my team. Um, I obviously got the, the, the benefit of Jones, my defensive asset for Man United, being out. So I could, you know, be very excited when we actually went ahead. Um, so it was a really comprehensive display from United. Um, I was, I kind of underestimated just how big an impact Pogba would have straight away on his return. Um, his output over the first few games he played for United was incredible. Um, his expected goals, his his expected assists, his shots was comparable to someone like Ibrahimovic last year. Um, so. He really looks to be stepping up, um, and I'm sure he's gonna. Uh, yeah, I think really we, we've got we've got quite Jesus. a few questions on Lukaku um, today. What were you gonna say, Nick? No, I was just gonna agree with you in there about Pogba. I think Pogba coming back in his, into the team really improves Manchester United. He's only played 429 minutes so far, but he's had three goals, four assists, and a whopping 8.6 points per match. So his output has really improved the team. I think Mkhitaryan has really suffered without him. Mkhitaryan's now down to 7.9 because of his squad. horrendous performances recently. Yeah, he's, he's completely out of the picture as far as Jose Marino's con- concerned. But I think Pogba's the only uh, Manchester United player I'm looking at at the moment. I know, obviously, Lukaku against Brighton. I'm going to be hiding behind a sofa again for that one. But um, I'm hoping that uh, Mr Zlatan Ibrahimovic makes an appearance again. If yeah, you, you know, maybe he'll get a cheeky start if uh, Lukaku plays midweek in the Champions League. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we saw him saw Zlatan go on and yell, Rom, you're on the wing. Um, <laughs> which was obviously not the best for me as a Lukaku. Yeah, Lukaku owner. looked a bit embarrassed on the wing. <laughs> he doesn't know, didn't know what to do. as I like, you know, a, a, a bit down, sheepish. Like, but I'm, I'm sh- like he's Rashford or something. But I'm sure 80 million striker Lukaku is going to keep starting the sense I mean he's played 90 minutes every single game uh, Mourinho for how much we can trust him has come out and said he's always going to be playing he's untouchable to me and I think we're probably going to see that over Christmas as well I mean last year for Everton he played every game no problem um, so I, I can't imagine there's going to be that much of an issue I mean the fixtures are still okay we've obviously got Brighton next and Watford the two games that I had Lukaku for Arsenal Lukaku scored against them last year a rare example of a team that he actually a big team he scored against uh, Man City then, Bol- then uh, Bournemouth uh, we no, he loves Bournemouth. So I think that those are five fixtures. I'm probably just going to keep Lukaku, frankly, all through Christmas. Yeah, I mean, it's two decent fixtures, then two tougher fixtures. I think at the moment we had a bit of a Morata-Lukaku debate last week, and I think it's 1-0 um, at the moment. It's just it. just about, just, just about, about, quite yeah. tight. But yeah. without that yellow card, I don't think... It, if Lukaku, if Morata didn't get a yellow card, I think it would be a lot more cut and dried uh, towards Morata. As it was, there's only three more points, but yes. So uh, Let's move on to Watford and uh, West Ham. So a weird FPL-specific fixture, this one, because literally I think everybody was watching for Richarlison uh, the, the known bonus phobe Richarlison uh, I pulled some data up on him to see why he was so bonus phobic and I mean people said it was shots off target I don't think it was I mean he had four shots two were off target the key issue with him is poor passing so uh, there, he only had 68% uh, pass completion he only completed 21 passes in the, op- in the opposition's uh, half uh, 64% success rate he's just not a passer of the ball like he runs with it and loses it he, he is, does I what- mean he is a fantastic dribbler of the ball though and that's that's why we were looking at him as an asset I think I looked as well and he's had more touches in the box than any other midfielder with 89 whilst his shot accuracy actually is only 20.9% yeah. so it's pretty poor it reminds me of kind of early Mane a little bit to some extent I think the players if there is a typology of player he definitely fits into that typology because he's not 
ever looking to pass the ball lay off, which Mane has arguably added to his game this year. Richarlison is all about taking the shot. How can I get a shot? How can I make space for the shot? Which does mean he gets penalised by the bonus because every time he loses the ball, penalised, never passes it. If he does pass it, he's not that great at passing as we've seen, loses it, penalised. I think at that price point though, um, every every owner I think is quite happy with the way he's performing even when he is evading the bonus points. Um, And I think... To have a player at that price point who is scoring, you know, around one in three is, you know, an incredible player to have. Exactly. This year's Josh King, he's kind of come straight to the fore, hasn't he? I think he's, I mean, before the game, he only owned about 18%. I, I thought that was crazy because I, I was expecting that to be a lot higher. But I think that's kind of an example of, of how we're in this little FPL land bubble where yeah. everyone seems to own him. Yeah, I mean, he is doing fantastically well. I think um, their fixtures do stiffen a little bit. They've got Newcastle, Man U, Spurs. So it'll be really interesting to see how he performs over the next three. And if he can get returns against clubs like Man U and Spurs, then he looks like he could be a, a season keeper. So we should talk a little bit about West Ham as well. Um, we saw, Moisey. Fuck Andy Carroll trying to get sent off like every five minutes. It's a bit, a bit of a disgusting start. I think yeah. he tweeted to saying, I bet within 20 minutes he elbows someone in the face. And he actually elbows someone in the face and in the ribs within five minutes. So yeah. you. Yeah, he does get up and he's, he's obviously like, you know, a massive headed threat, but he's not very aerodynamic, is he? I mean, he relies on his elbows for kind of traction in the air. And unfortunately, those elbows, a bit like Fellaini, end up doing you know, like Ross Geller from Friends when they're trying to do the Fafanathalie thing and he just kind of gets it completely wrong. It, it, it's, it's incredible. I mean, West Ham, just, I, I don't know what to say about them. I mean, I'm not interested in them at all from a fantasy point of view. Um, I worry about their future. I mean, you've got, you've got David Moyes there. I mean, maybe he's going to organise them. Maybe he's going to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, but, I mean, after after Leicester and Ev- his old club Everton, they've got 15, 16, 17. They've got Man City, Chelsea, and Arsenal. Three very tough games that yeah. feasibly could be bottom of the table by Christmas. They actually have the worst defence in the Premier League now with 25 goals conceded. So I, I can see Jamie Vardy perhaps scoring against them on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think about West Ham, Ewan? Uh, I don't have much to add on West Ham. I, I, I really don't remember even considering uh, a player from the, the side yet. Um, maybe perhaps Cresswell, depending on how Moyes actually ends up setting up the team. If the, the defence does improve, if he does continue to employ Andy Carroll uh, and go a bit more direct, then potentially Cresswell, we've seen, does have the capabilities to put in a lot of good balls. But it's really not looking good and I don't think uh, anyone's history with David Moyes' sides has been that that worked that good in the last couple of seasons. No, apart from uh, no, Leighton Baines and Defoe at points last year. I mean, I had a Nietzsche B last year, but that doesn't really count, really. And then and, and last night, uh, Brighton and Stoke 2-2. I mean, I was looking like, I was quite happy. I was like, oh, finally got out the millions. And of course, Gross shows up and scores. Chupo Moting shows up and scores. And luckily, he didn't get that assist. Sorry, guys, if you do own him and you were very annoyed about that. <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of controversy over that. It came off Bruno's back and then supposedly might have touched a little bit of his afro or something his rat tail yeah. <laughs> and then that didn't count as an assist unfortunately last year that counted with McCauley didn't it like a bit of his hair follicle touched the ball and that, that count gave him points uh, mm. but yeah I mean he's looking very good uh, Chupa Moting um, out, out of position averaging three shots a game which is pretty decent actually um, compared to kind of what we're, what we're seeing I mean we're seeing Lukaku on about four for context so that's pretty damn good um, for the price of 5.7 I believe he is I mean that's not bad yeah he's, he's doing very well I think um, Gross as well 
um, it's doing fantastically well and I'm actually going to be doing an article for the website about 5.5 midfielders which is going to be released this week and the two standout players are both true promoting and gross both coming from the Bundesliga which I think is quite an interesting fact and something to be- think about next year as to these sort of like cheaper midfielders that perhaps have performed at another level in a different league in Europe that potentially could be uh, new standout characters for next season. Yeah, and well, maybe it's just the fact that the Bundesliga is harder, better, faster and stronger than the other leagues that players could potentially come in from. OK, uh, that's the uh, recap done. Let's move on to the features after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, uh, so we're back and uh, we're going to start with looking at our anti-meta team. So this is our team of players who aren't in the template or being spoken about too much. Uh, we try to keep them under 10% own, but unfortunately that doesn't always quite work out as we'd like to. We're going to have to wildcard soon and get that sorted out. But I mean, this week they did pretty well, not as well as you two, at 80 points, so better than me. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, 279,000 <laughs> from the world, so... Again, much better than me. Um, the key man this week was on Thursday night, took out Josh King and put in Callum Wilson, captained him, 34 points for the anti-metas, and that made up for a lot of issues elsewhere. So Ramsey blanked, Vardy blanked, the defence was terrible with Valencia and Maguire both blanking. Uh, but players like uh, Firmino, uh, Sigurdsson returning his first things and Martial uh, were the, the key differentials there. I think Martial's been one of the standouts for their dark siders, hasn't he, all season? Because like, I don't think he's been in any of our teams at all. No. Or even really thought about him because of his rotation risk. But for the dark siders, he's been banging in the goals. Yeah, kept, kept returning. They've got Monreal off the bench, and obviously Alan Nyom sadly didn't play. Uh, so they got five points off the bench for Monreal. And third sub, for some reason, Nick, was a Jack Cork, who returned 11 points, his first goal in uh, probably about two years. But he didn't come on. <laughs> but it didn't come on, ah. no. It could have been. It could have been ninety plus for the anti-metas. How depressing is that? That's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, we'll keep you guys updated with them as we go forward. But uh, let, let's move on to the answer to the to the market forces in the absence of Neon Watch. Yeah, so it's time for the market forces um, section. This is where we review the transfers, the movers and shakers of the game week, who's being brought in and who's being sold. So I think um, the first man on everyone's lips at the moment is uh, Paul Pogba. He's back. And uh, he's actually not rising in price at the moment because of the the ruling within FPL that he's um, turned from a red flag to a blue flag. So he's actually um, suspended for price changes for seven days. So we're not going to be seeing any rises for him, I think, until approximately around Friday, possibly. I think it's it's, uh, after the deadline. After the deadline. So, yeah, because the deadline's on Friday. So we've got um, a whole week to think about whether we're bringing in Pogba or not, which is great. And he's already, though... I mean, even though Manchester United haven't had their Champions League game, he's already top of the list, and he's already had um, 225,000 transfers in this game week. So, you know, people are bringing him in with their drives. And it's not a surprise, really, considering his uh, fantastic um, performance in the last game week. He's got Brighton up next as well. I mean, you can understand that. I think the people have... I mean, number four on the list is probably linked as Mkhitaryan. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who still owns Mkhitaryan, but he's down to seven point nine, sold by ninety six thousand people, and uh, that's something you can understand, right? Yeah, I think um, he was the most transferred in player around game week five or so. But now all those people that transferred him and they're transferring him out, and now he's actually lower in price than what he started the season. He's now back. <laughs> he's now down to seven point nine. Exactly. And, can, so, and if he continues to blank, he might he might continue to fall. He's been round the world uh, price wise. Wise. <laughs> so uh, next up is uh, is is a uh, Nias. Uh, so one hundred twenty seven thousand have brought in Nias. 
and now, uh, well, if you're an ass man, you might have you might have boobs. Um, it, he might be uh, suspended for two game weeks. I think it is at the moment. Um, is currently on the table. Um, I, I don't know about the merits uh, of that. I think owners probably should have done their homework a little bit, perhaps before drafting him. But he did rise in price, so I can understand why some people might have thought, "Oh, get on, get on the ass," and uh, it kind of like being in their face a little bit, in the ass in their face. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, like big ass and I cannot lie (laughs) the most sold player um, this game week actually is John Stones he's had over 100,000 transfers out and it's not surprising really all the Stones owners they're just having to get off the wagon because he's injured and he looks like he might be out till um, the new year so yeah not good for Stones owners uh, the next one in terms of transfers is Morata. Hundred and two thousand people uh, brought it, brought, bringing him in. I mean, you and you looking at bringing him in, writing the wrongs of, bring, of uh, bringing bringing in Lukaku. Yeah, I think um, I would toyed with the idea of bringing in Morata this week and ended up going with Lukaku. Um, I think I'm going to be going long term for for Morata because of the resurgence of Pogba um, and bringing in Pogba as well when possible. Um, I think really Lukaku and Morata are kind of matching each other for output and that extra mill that you can uh, play with if you bring in Morata um, is is really useful. Yeah, and it's, it's surprising really that with Brighton up next, Lukaku is still not bringing many new managers in. He, he's not on the list at all in terms of the transfers in and players bringing him in, which is quite a surprise. So, but up next on the list is actually uh, Mo Salah. And we, we always talk about this guy week in, week out. Over 90,000 transfers in this game week. And I think we're running out of superlatives for Lukaku, you know, um, Salah even, because he just looks fantastic week in, week out. As I said, he's he's getting harder, better, faster, stronger, isn't he? I can't imagine that anyone doesn't own Salah now, right? Well, I think he's the highest scorer in the game now. And uh, that's, I, I think, like kind of red red to a ball, really, with, uh, with the kind of market. So... Um, it's no surprise that he's still still up there. Yeah, and I think um, Abraham and Aguero both being sold. I think uh, both of them are short circuiting a, li- a little bit. I think Abraham's injured. Swansea just look dire in general, and and Aguero's um, didn't start, and he's also um, started in the Champions League with Jesus on the bench. So could be that he's not starting again this weekend. I just feel that with eleven point seven. I mean, we'll come on to Aguero again in a minute. Lots of questions about him. But at 11.7, I don't think it's acceptable that he is a bench risk. I mean, seasons past, he's the captain, auto-captain, and we love him for that. But I think the justification that people are still putting out that it's Aguero, he can do so much, um, is completely negated by the fact that he could be on the bench and you could have you know, your 4.5 coming off the bench for two points. I mean, that's not acceptable, is it? Definitely. I think we've all got random access memories of Aguero just smashing it season in, season out. But this, this season, he's... He just seems to have these random injuries, fainting, car crashes. I don't, we don't know what's going on with him, and he, well, he's just not looking like an FPL asset. I'll I'll just mount the defence of Aguero. Um, he's while it's not really a practical choice, he's still um, I think scored eight point four points a game. Um, so it's probably not the practical choice with some of the comments that Guardiola has made. Um, stats wise, you can understand why people would would still consider keeping him. Um, but the fact of the matter is that even if you're scoring 8.4 points a game, if you're only playing one in two games, it's not enough to, to warrant spending that kind of cash. Yeah, I can understand that That's completely. Enough. Um, in, in number nine, um, he came on and scored a hat-trick and I developed an instant crush on him. It's uh, Callum Wilson. 80,000 people have brought him in. 
uh, off the back of his hat trick, including losers like me who rage transferred him I in. I think he all... just charged it, pointed it, zoomed it, and pressed it. <laughs> <and then he'd laughs> yeah, I did. I'm such an idiot. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll talk about that later and talk about the merits of that. And um, I, I think just to round off the top ten, when we talk about Ericsson, Ericsson's been sold by seventy five thousand. We'll come on to him later, I'm sure. Uh, Phil Jones, eleven, um, sold by sixty five thousand so far, and we found out just this evening that. Um, Mourinho is saying that he's probably not going to be playing uh, against Brighton, and um, so that's a big, uh, a big issue. I guess, for... I guess you can have Norton on again. <laughs> oh God, for owners like me, that is a, that is a very, very annoying indeed. Uh, so that rounds off the market forces. Let's move on to. Uh to the speaker's corner shall we say and this week it's statistics corner I'm going to say Ewan off you go well Tell yeah it's, this is my big moment um, so <laughs> brace yourselves we're going to leave FPL land for a couple of minutes um, as scary as that sounds but bear with me um, I wanted to start with a real world example and just describe um, some stuff about the article that's gone up on the site today so imagine you're picking your route on your first day going to a new job uh, the decision to be made here is usually objectively simple. You just want to get there quickest, so you're looking for the fastest route. You obviously ask your maps app of choice, but how is this decision actually being made? So knowing things like the, the length of possible routes, uh, the speed of possible modes of transport, means that you can quickly come to estimates of journey times. Um, there might be special restrictions that you want to consider as well, so you might hate the bus. And once those constraints are known, you can again uh, find a single best route that meets all those criteria you're specifying. You get to work on time and with zero bus anxiety. And congratulations, we just went through the application of linear optimization, um, which is a purely mathematical approach to solving logical problems in our lives that we're all using, whether we realize or not. And we can apply that back in FPL. Just to make sure that you're not thinking this is kind of statistical mumbo jumbo, that example we've, we've rolled through is, is using observed figures. It's not uh, creating any kind of estimates. It's looking at uh, very real laws. So if we consider applying these principles to a well-defined problem we will contend with, which is goalkeeper rotation, I'll try and break down this situation in a similar way to that problem we just discussed. So the decision we're trying to make and the thing we want to optimise is which goalkeeper will get us the most points, or which set of goalkeepers will get us the most points. Potentially, we might introduce cost into the equation to maximise some sort of points and price metric. The things we need to know are the number of points goalkeepers score each week. And we have known restrictions, which include the need for two goalies, no more, no less, um, and only one being able to be played each week. Other simplifying assumptions we might want to think about is that we don't really want to be making transfers in this position. I think that's a general rule that a lot of people tend to live by. Um, and also, just just in this case, let's assume that we always pick the goalkeeper that scores the most points each week. So without spending too much time on the, the specific details, think incorporating those parameters outlined can be fed into a program that it cycles through all possible goalkeeper pairs in the game and calculates the total total points tally um, that we could expect to achieve for each, essentially the points potential of each goalkeeping pair. So we apply that kind of approach to the current FPL campaign um, and you can kind of explore the, the, the pairings in the, in the post to get top tens of different metrics. We can identify the keepers that scored the most points this year. So actually, there's a, a tie between two pairs for the most points potential in the, this, this season. Uh, Peter Cech and uh, Lossell at Huddersfield 
um, and a pairing of De Gea and Pope actually scored 82 points this year, um, which is the, the the highest score you could expect to get back from your goalkeepers. Um, but if we perhaps consider the most points per million, you actually turn to a pairing of Lossell and Joe Hart. I know we've talked so disparagingly about West Ham, but this pairing could act, has actually returned 80 points, which actually returns 8.9 points per million. And again, thinking about the kind of constraints that you might introduce into these problems, uh, if we consider we've spent all the money elsewhere and we only have a budget of 8 mil left on our two goalies, um, we can. there's really no contest. At the moment, it's Spironi and Elliot that you could get in, which would have got you back 44 points, um, at a, a points per million of 5.5. Um, this, this kind of process, I, I think, highlights some of the, the drawbacks of having two um, budget goalkeepers and, and what you can expect to get back, even if you're picking the right goalkeeper every week. And again, this, this approach does rest on some theoretical principles. So for example, the idea that we pick the right goalkeeper every week obviously doesn't always happen. But yeah, we can come up with figures like this using this problem and there's definitely the potential that you can roll this out across your whole team and, and come up with the best possible uh, squad for FBL. That's really interesting. I think I think um, it'd be good to roll those out over the over different positions. But I mean, I think with me and Nick, there's there's something about us in terms of the the cheap goalkeepers. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think we've always been advocates very much of um, as cheap as as you can get, really. And I think last season this actually really paid off for the both of us. I think I had Pickford for a lot of the season alongside Lee Grant, who was also four point zero, and and those guys really worked well for me. I think you had Jakubovic. Instead yeah. of Lee Grant, but you had a similar <laughs> setup this year. It's only really been Elliot, hasn't been too impressive. But I've actually now got um, the lad Speroni in the old, the old boy, perhaps I should say, rather. And you've got Timmy Cruel, hoping that he'll make an appearance, which he yeah. never has. But I still think the forty-point difference between the Opsman pairing and the pairing that we've got um, is still really eye-opening. I think it'll be interesting to look at other positions and see how that works. But thanks for that, Ian. That's really, really great. Okay, let's move on to community section after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So, uh, so we're back and it's the community section. Uh, the first thing to mention is that obviously our uh, our new site is up. We posted Ewan's article on it uh, just today, and on Friday night last uh, last week we posted up the uh, the setup article just to test it, and it's all looking very good, all looking very sexy. So please have a look at that in the future, and we'll be um, rolling out a lot more blog posts over the course of the next kind of few months, getting back on the blogging horse, so to speak. Yeah, we're gonna have some more infographics as well, and we've got a few more writers writing for us as well. Um, in, in addition to you, and so we're gonna have lots of new content out there. So should we should we have a quick look at the uh, who got the assist mini league anyway? See who's a uh, top of the charts, and of course it's Damantine, um leading by a whole ninety four points, and he's top in the entire world as well, which is amazing. So uh, congratulations, Demir, if you're listening. Um, he scored ninety two points, which is another fantastic game week for him. Uh, just in general, in the top ten, we got some really high scores from everyone. So everyone in the top ten smashing it. Um, a shout out as well to Red Eagle, um, Tiago Costa. He got 105 points. He's now on 772 and he's third in our league as well. So um, really impressive from Tiago. I think just having a quick look at his team here. He um, actually played his wild card. So he, had, he got him Callum Wilson. He captained Maratas, Salah, Alonso, Daniels, Richardson, Zaha, Sane, me, 
De Gea, great, great team there. Wow, so just no blanks, basically. What, what a team. Very well done, Thiago. Right, uh, the, the other order of business quickly this week is the uh, FPL meetup in London, 22nd of December, Friday, just before Christmas. Uh, we're going to be at the sports bar in Marlebone at half past seven, uh, watching Arsenal versus Liverpool. Um, loads of luminaries from the FPL universe are coming. Uh, Peter Blake is, is coming, FPL Math Safe, you may know. Uh, FPL Connects, one of our long-term friends on Twitter. Um, and also the guys from Fantasy Football Geek um, as well have said they're interested in coming um, so should be a really really good night let us know by email if you're interested in coming and um, I'll put you down onto the list okay shall we move on to questions then Nick uh, we've got absolute pile this week and obviously Ewan's here too to add a statistical spin to things uh, the first kind of thing to talk about is obviously Harry Kane um, Paul uh, Big Bag Hoda on Twitter asked, uh, should, we get, should I get rid of him now? FPL Virgin asked if we had the minerals to remove Kane. Uh, Samant says he's giving him one more chance. Um, but Sarav on, on the Guff Group on Facebook and Mark Johnson on uh, Unfiltered FPL, um, puts it, they both put it best. Where do we stand on the Kane situation, boys? Do you want to start, Ewan? Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. Basically, didn't get on Kane at the start of the season. Um, I actually went for Lukaku and, and Jesus, first of all. Um, but I've brought him back in now. I think one of the things that is quite difficult from a statistical point of view is that Kane doesn't always uh, exceed some of the other premium strikers in terms of expected goals. But from what we've seen of him... He actually is an incredible finisher and scores a lot of goals from very improbable positions. Um, I think his kind of USP is that he is clearly the main man in that team um, every week. A really kind of nailed on uh, player to, to put our captaincy on, which is a, a really big a really big kind of advantage in, in terms of fantasy football. I am really not considering taking him out at this point. I don't know if any of you have had second thoughts. There's no chance at the moment of me taking out Harry Kane as well. He's my only Spurs player, so I'm happy, very happy to keep one Spurs at the moment, especially with their upcoming fixtures, which are all green on our fixtures ticker. He's got West Brom, Leicester, Watford, Stoke and Brighton up next, and I'm actually thinking about captaining him in my next game against West Brom just because they're looking so poor at the moment you know that you know I've mentioned about West Brom earlier and the age of their team and I think they're going to get easily turned over by Spurs yeah I think so I mean uh, I mean he might not be scoring now but like the legend of the Phoenix he will rise again I mean with Kane um, the fact is I mean psychologically it's anticipated regret it's FOMO I mean not having Kane in I think has is an overwhelming threshold of oh my god what could this guy do um, not owning him I think is just a factor which is always going to feed into why I'm not going to get rid of him because if I don't have him he absolutely explodes I'm going to want him in straight away I can't get rid of him exactly I think there's a lot of emotion running around with Harry Kane at the moment because he's he's blanked in so many like plum home games he's blanked against Burnley Swansea Bournemouth and Crystal Palace at home which is embarrassing but you know, like West Brom up at home, I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment right now. So the um, the next question's from um, Marco, where it's about Sergio Aguero and um, our good friend Marco and Peter Locke on Facebook say, do I get rid? Meanwhile, Ian Wilson on Twitter said he's actually happy with Aguero not playing week in, week out, as he's getting points off the bench from others, plus the explosions when he does play. Uh, the thing is with Aguero, as I said earlier... He just costs 11.8, I think it is now. It was 11.7. But either way, I mean, he's playing tonight. There's a question mark over him playing on the weekend. You can't be having a player who's costed that 
much of your budget like that degree of your budget and you can't have you can't be exposed to having a 4.5 a two-pointer other people have got Morata other people have got Lukaku scoring the goals if Aguero's got a zero and you're relying on you know your Jack Court to come off the bench and get you two points that isn't that isn't something that I'd ever be comfortable with I don't know whether I'd say get rid of him ahead of Huddersfield but I think you know it's one of those things that you've got to scratch that itch eventually and get rid of him. And what do you think, Ewan, about Aguero? I mean, you've, you've mounted yeah. a defence of him, but would you still be keeping him now? So the other players you're mentioning, so Lukaku, Morata, Kane, um, there's not even a second question about whether they're going to be starting at the weekend. Um, and even though when Aguero does play, he is actually exceeding the output of these players. But the simple fact of the matter is that if, if he's not getting the minutes, that even if he is performing above the others uh, you know, per game, he's still not going to be returning the same amount of points. Um, and at that price, I just think it's too much to, to, to warrant being in your side. And Nick, would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree broadly. There's obviously a lot of digital love out there for Aguero. But um, this season, I mean, his performances have been fantastic when he has played, but he just hasn't played enough. I've still got Jesus in my team and he's, he's giving me rotation anxiety week in, week out. But I'm going to give him another shot, I think, personally, Jesus, because, um, I mean, he's slightly cheaper than Aguero, but he seems to be playing in the league a lot more than Aguero. And, yeah. you know, and when he does play, he gets points. If he comes off the bench, he often gets points as well. So I won't be giving him the armband, but I'm keeping Jesus. If you own Aguero, it's, it's really a tough one and it depends how you're doing in the league. I guess if you, you're quite far behind, he, he may be a useful differential at this point to try and chase some points. But at the moment, I think like some Morata... Kane, Lukaku are, are better assets to own. I mean, I'm quite far behind, but I'm not looking at Aguero at all. Yeah, you, one, wouldn't, you wouldn't bring him in, no. Definitely. I mean, one guy I did bring in is Lukaku. I mean, Lukaku's owned by, what, 48, 47%, but I think that there's the next question's on him. I mean, the, the actual effective ownership of Lukaku, I think it's probably about 30, 33% at the moment, because if you factor in people who aren't playing anymore and just have Kaku in their dead team. Um, Joel EE on the unfiltered uh, FPL group asked, is Lukaku an Explosion waiting to happen with Pogba back in the side. Uh, so let's have a think about Lukaku quickly. I mean, I had a look at him um, just in, in general and I compared um, the, in game weeks 1 to 4 when Pogba was in the team with uh, game weeks 5 to 11 when he wasn't in the team. The XG for Lukaku is 1 when, Lukaku, when Pogba is in the team, 0.4 when he's not in the team. Attempts per game, he, get, he gets 5 attempts per game with Pogba in the team averaging, uh, whereas it's only 2.6 without him. And obviously there's mitigating factors with the fixtures they had, mm. but I think that it does seem to be that Pogba is kind of the cog in that Manchester United machine, which gives Kaku those goal-scoring chances, which he then can convert. Yeah, I would say that is the caveat that those games that Pogba was playing in um, were, were really tasty. Um, I think for, for everyone that is weighing up the merits of Lukaku, they're probably comparing him to someone like Morata. Um, I think their, their underlying statistics, the, the expected goals is very similar for the two. I think Morata actually has, has been a little bit more impressive in his, his, his link-up play, um, which is kind of where he's perhaps looking on the eye to be a slightly better prospect than Lukaku. Um, but it, it, we, we've, we saw at the start of the season that Lukaku against those, those lower teams just does just grind out the goals. Um, he's certainly a, a good pick. Yeah, I'd broadly agree. And I think this game week, Lukaku looks like a definite captain option against Brighton. And I'd rather have Lukaku this week over Morata. But in the long run, I think I'd, 
I'm personally preferring Morata, and I think um, if you're looking for Manchester United coverage, I th- I'm personally thinking that Paul Pogba's the man to own at his price, 8.0. He's very good value, and I think if you bring in Pogba, you don't necessarily need to have Lukaku as well, and that would be enough for Manchester United coverage. Cool, okay. Well, I hope that answers your question, guys. I mean, um, the next question I think we'll move on to is uh, about Ericsson and Pogba here. Um, so, FPL Apprentice uh, said that uh, Ericsson is killing his rank should he move him on to Pogba. Uh, Danielle asked this as well on Twitter. Uh, Jeff Pedder said it is WBA Ericsson's last chance before I give him the chop. Uh, Karan Sood on Guff also asked this, and so did Scott Kelly on Reddit. So, Pogba, um, I mean, we, we've already spoken about him. I mean, Eight, he was involved in eight goals in his last six appearances, uh, four goals and four assists for United. And this year he's looking such a different proposition, isn't he, to last year? Yeah, Pogba's obviously performing fantastically. And he just looks like the linchpin within the Manchester United team that holds them all together. He's obviously a very popular player. And he just he seems like such a character within the team. Um, in regards to Ericsson, it's, it's a different question though because... He scored a hat. Don't forget, he scored a hat trick against Ireland um, in the international game week, and he just looked absolutely amazing and unplayable in that game. So you know he has it within his arsenal to to perform. Maybe not against Arsenal, but you know with these fixtures coming up, oh, like exactly. West Brom, he can he can potentially score a haul against them, or even Leicester, Watford, Stoke. You know, so I'd be tempted to hold. But there are so many other midfield options. If you don't have the likes of Salah, you're getting punished week in week out if you're holding on to Ericsson. Yeah, I think I think Salah's probably the one that is eating into Ericsson's ownership. I think for anyone that was, uh, you know, only had Ericsson, they're probably making the switch now. Um, I think I think Ericsson has always been um, the guy that's maybe less explosive than than perhaps some of the the other players we're talking about. He's certainly more of a an assister than a, than a goal scorer. Um, and and when you've made the outlay on someone like Kane. It does become uh, a slightly a tougher prospect to then outlay a lot of money on a, a, a midfielder from the same team. Yeah, I think I'm in agreement there. I think doubling up on Kane and Eriksson is probably a bit much at the moment after that last performance by Spurs. But I think you have to own at least one Spurs player. So Eric, if you don't have Kane, Eriksson, maybe your Spurs coverage. Yeah, no, I, I, my mind is still boggled by the fact that Eriksson hasn't got an assistance game week two. Mm. I think that, that probably for me is a... I mean, we did do that um, turning point article, didn't we, a little while ago, which showed that Eriksson actually does get a lot of shots. Mm. But the assists are the bread and butter I think of Ericsson and that not happening means that you know you've got to have some worries about him I mean after West Brom if he hasn't if he hasn't produced in the face of other players producing in that position I think that you've got to be seriously considering getting rid and mm-hmm. um, I think we, we mentioned Salah a minute ago uh, a good friend of the pod Varin asked if he should get Salah in right now or should he wait until Chelsea um, what would you guys reckon to that I'd, I'd probably, to be honest, I'd probably wait. I know it seems a bit counterproductive considering his amazing form at the moment. I feel like it's almost too late to get on the Salah wagon anyway, and uh, Chelsea's going to be a, a very tricky prospect for him. I would say that at least under Klopp, Liverpool have historically performed very well in those kind of fixtures. I think it's this season that perhaps that's that's kind of been dispelled slightly. Um, but Salah up against his former club, it, it's kind of written written in the stars almost. Uh, I mean, uh, linked to, link to that, uh, Chris Wilson uh, to Chelsea, that is. Uh, Chris Wilson on Facebook asked, is now the time to drop a City midfielder for Hazard? Uh, Jabu on Twitter also asked about that. And uh, Stephen Borden on Twitter asked whether uh, a gross Richarlison kind of... Uh, 
Axis is better than having Sana slash Sterling in a 4.0. So in terms of midfielders, what's better having kind of uh, having that kind of high investment in City, or is it worth moving elsewhere now? I, I do sometimes think that the the formation discussion is a bit of a misnomer in that I think I've played uh, maybe 4-4-2 this week. I think I had a 3-4-3 last week. Um, and that really you should be aiming to get a, a, a good good output across your whole team to be able to, to flex. I do think that Gross has definitely proved so far that at that price he's he's worthy of some good returns. Um, he's shown in the Bundesliga that he was producing so many chances. He seems to have added a few goals to his game as well. Um, I would, would just worry that perhaps... Uh, Brighton will, will will tail off into the, the Christmas period as the fixtures start piling up. Yeah, I mean, he is definitely um, the most creative player within that team, but they do have Manchester United up next, and then, then it's Crystal Palace, but then it's Liverpool. So, you know, their, their next fixtures are quite tricky. I, I mean, he, he has performed above expectations um, all season so far, but I'm not... I'm not totally convinced that he's he's a must own at this moment in time. Richarlison, I think we talked about him quite a bit earlier as well, and he he's he definitely us. looks like a must own. Yeah, you know, his penalty touches in the box higher than any other midfielder I so, mentioned earlier. So, do you think um, going back to Stephen's question that the two owning Gross and Richarlison is a better proposition than owning Sana slash Sterling in a four point five? Well, I think Ruben Loftus-Cheek is really proving himself as the 4.5 midfielder to own. So, you know, a combination of Sarnas Sterling and Ruben Loftus-Cheek almost seems like it would match the output of those two guys, potentially. But then, like we said with the Manchester City midfielders, there's a lot of anxiety in regards to rotation. I think Sarna is probably the one to own over Sterling right now, because if Sterling doesn't start, then you've just got... Ruben Loftus-Cheek and then I don't even know maybe another 4.5 midfielder and that doesn't look very strong or or maybe like a 4.4 defender like Vimmer coming in and no one wants him in their team do they so exactly exactly okay let's move on to team restructuring uh FPL Bull asks where the money is going. Uh, so he's noticed, as we have, that people are bringing in the ass, bringing in Wilson, removing people like Vardy and Firmino. And he asks, kind of, where's the best way to put it? Are we going to move to a 3 5 2? Idiots Boss and Reddit asked about that as well. Is it a 3 5 2 that we're going towards? Um, as Neil Gupta asked as well, similar to that, that Salah's on fire, Hazard's on fire, you know, what's the, what's the strategy here in terms of moving forward? Team shape, team structure. Yeah, and Dude Abides has also um, asked, is, is it worth it to kind of downgrade um, your strikers to cheaper assets like um, Nias and Wilson? And I think, I guess the money is going towards Hazard at the moment. We saw some really expensive premium midfielders like Hazard and Sanchez score at the weekend. Also expensive defenders like Alonso. And we can't fit all these guys in our team. So I think um, some people are looking at downgrading those premium strikers, bringing in the likes of Callum Wilson. In and uh, yeah, I think it kind of makes sense a little bit, like because I think Hazard has only really finally shown up this game week, and you're, you're thinking about bringing him in as well. well I, mean, I, I mean, it's not. Uh, he did show up against. Obviously, he scored against Bournemouth and got those eleven points. I think the um, the thing with Hazard is that he's a very nice counterbalance um, with Morata. I mean, it seems to me that you've got kind of a, a Hazard and Lukaku for uh, combination. I and mean, then you've got a Morata and Pogba combination. And Morata and Pogba are the ones that people like you guys who are way ahead of me are going to have. 
So it makes sense for me to have the Lukaku and Hazard combination and hope that works out yes, for me. That's also three million more that's, in, that, investment. That, that's the issue and that's kind of what's hamstringing my thinking at the moment. However, it seems to me that I think that, that, that having differential is going to help. Otherwise, I'm going to end up just kind of aping the teams above me. I'm not going to get any traction whatsoever and improve my rank. I mean, what do you think here, Ewan? What's your view on this? So yeah, I, I, I think um, just going back to the... the the, the idea of downgrading and, and where where that's going to lead the formation. I've certainly been an advocate of of having some range in prices in my striking options. So um, I've been been dealing with a budget striker for most of the season at the moment. Um, I've got uh, Tammy Abraham, who's perhaps less in vogue than some of the other names, um, but I do think that. It, it it makes a lot of sense to to make sure that in when you are kind of downgrading um, to other options that you you know make sure that you don't leave yourself with positions that are filled by players that uh, perhaps you foresee ending up you know not not having a role in the team. So um, if you are kind of downgrading to someone like Nias, um, just just make sure that you've got some flex in the rest of your team because the, Nias is certainly a player that isn't guaranteed to to be turning up every week yeah and I think um, going back to Idiot's boss's question about whether you think 3-5-2 is a worthwhile formation I yeah, think Steve, um, Stephen I think, Toomey also asked Stephen, that by the yeah, way yeah I think um, I think it is I think with the likes of Chupo Moting and Gross and Richards and very cheap midfielders even Loftus-Cheek as well um, performing week in week out um, compared to the cheaper strikers I think Nias is one of the only ones that's performing well I think three five two definitely can work. I think at the beginning of the season, midfielders seemed a little bit out of vogue with um, you know everyone talking about those premium defenders and premium strikers. But I think um, definitely there's a few uh, midfielders. I think especially that during that Brighton Stoke game, we all wished that we had two promoting and uh, and gross in our teams, but none of us did. Yeah, exactly. I think it's just yeah, to twenty points if you own both of those. Well done, guys. Um, moving on to defensive acquisitions, your man Stephen Wardnick, um, Andrew O'Gorman asks why are people bringing bringing him in over me, Taco, etc., etc. And uh, this links in with a question from Smart Fat Man, who asked the best defenders under six point five. I think both are both are the same sort of question. To be honest, I don't really understand why people are bringing in Stephen Ward over me at this moment in yeah, time. You're happy. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy as hell because you know I got Stephen Ward at four point five, so I'm just seeing prices price rises week in week out. But the only reason he's being brought in is because he's got more points than the other players, and that, that's the simple truth of it. People are looking, seeing that Stephen Ward's the third highest scoring defender that he's relatively cheap and bringing him in even though in the last few weeks he hasn't actually got the bonus points exactly. so. if you watch him play face to face you kind of see don't you that he, he's not really that great a player it's just that he obviously had yeah. that assist and had that goal early on and that elevated his score I think people log in availability heuristic they just use the information in front of them they know they've got a player they've got to get rid of who can come in in my price range oh it's Stephen Ward I'm going to bring him in not click past the first page I, don't I think, think yeah, and that's exactly the phenomenon you see with people like Higatsi um, you know rocketing in price at the start of the year simply because they're the, the top scoring defender and they're sat at the top of the screen when players log in um, and that's where you see such dramatic effects yeah and I guess um, yeah and I guess the best defenders under 6.5 I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an advocate of uh, Charlie Daniels at this moment in time yeah I think we spoke about earlier but did, did absolutely nothing in that game right he got, he got no no shots created one chance 
his interceptions and blocks weren't that great and it, it, it somehow managed to get over two bonus I mean one of those moments where the bonus system just boggles the mind And yeah but I think a Bournemouth defender for the next four games um, I think if you want to go for a differential perhaps Tom you could go for Ake if you want to you know Whoa. go for someone different I think I don't know about other teams um but I think still Manchester City defender would be a good option as well. Yeah, Otamendi, of course, the general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you owned Ake, didn't you, Ewan? I did. I started out with Ake. Um, I think Bournemouth had a nice run of fixtures that it just went terribly wrong. Um, hopefully Daniels will do better for me this time. Um, but another differential um, that I think is is emerging is Christensen at Chelsea, actually. We've, we've talked about the uh, good fixtures that Chelsea have coming up. Um, and David Luiz seems to be kind of uh, just just flung out by Conte at the moment, and Chelsea seem to have picked up in form. And you just wonder whether he's going to decide to stick with Christensen while the the form is is upturning. Yeah. And he's at five point four at the moment. I definitely rate Christensen. He looks really good. I just worry about um, rotation with the likes of Aspel Equator, Rudiger. David Luiz, even though he's out, and um, Gary Cahill. You know, there's quite a few people that. Um, Conte has as options in those defensive positions. Cool. All right. Um, moving on to more of a more of an awkward price point. A few people this week had the headache when uh, Simon Francis got shown the red card. Uh, Mark Edworthy and Renny Ribeiro um, say what four point four defenders or less uh, are out there and of any interest <laughs> to us. <laughs> so it's quite a tough one. I mean, I'm looking at this kind of area. Uh, in terms of my Mbemba replacement and literally I think the only person I'm interested in is Lewis Dunk um, in terms of uh, the fact that he rotates with Carl Norton who it looks like I'm stuck with now uh, and Tarko in, ter- in terms of Christmas like his his fixtures tend to be okay when their fixtures aren't that good and vice versa there's John Joe Kenny who I've mentioned but I mean Everton you can't invest in them at the moment he's at 4.3 um, I mean 4.4 there's not that much down there is no, there? No there really isn't and I think um, you know I've talked a little bit about him disparaging me but I've got Kevin Vimmer he's 4.4 he's sitting in my team and you know um, he actually rotates quite well with Brighton so you could potentially have a sort of dunk uh, Vimmer combination on your bench because oh. um, next week you've got Crystal Palace for Vimmer and then it would be um, Crystal Palace for Dunk then you could have um, for Stoke they've got Swansea and then it's um, for Brighton it's Huddersfield so next four games you've got a little bit of a cheeky rotation you could have there if I had those two in my team I'd load it check it and think quick I've got to rewrite it it's just one of those things where but I mean I these, these, are your, these, these are your bench warmers though that you bring in in the case of emergency <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean we're looking at 4.4 defenders this is Clavin he, he might be getting he Liverpool, might yeah. be getting more game time um, with Lovren just looking yeah. terrible and he played quite well I think in the last game actually at, at this price range, price range really you're, you're going to get what you pay for and that's you know not a whole lot but that again we've talked about some of the Newcastle options I think because of Elliot's emergence there's there's perhaps better value in spending the money elsewhere um, yeah I think I think Dunk at, at Brighton is probably a decent option Um I did see that Ziegler had started for Watford this this weekend and did did quite well. Um, I'd be interested to see if, if that continues. He got a couple of bonus points um, from a wing back slot, um, but again, yeah, you've got your man Dummett as well, haven't Dummett you? Dummett as well He's coming, coming back, back yeah, yeah, um, Yedlin as well. So, and we talked about the the Everton right back slot, perhaps you know shoring up with with someone. Um, and, and there was a bit of interest in Ben Chilwell at Leicester a couple of weeks ago who had been deployed a bit further upfield by uh, the, the new manager but 
uh, again, these these are players that I, I wouldn't really be be yeah kind of wasting a transfer on without uh, a bit more data to back up you know their output. Cool. All right, and finally, uh, Graham Smith um, asked you in specifically. I struggle to keep my impulses in check and have already made two transfers. You worship stats and are a human after all. How do you manage your rim? Wow. Well, okay. shout out, shout out to Graham. Uh, yeah, I, I, I overtook you this week, which was which was nice. Um, but I, yeah, I, I generally find that really the, the 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 transfer situation. I try to think about kind of a, a few weeks in advance um, and think about players that I really do feel need to be brought in because they are going to um, far exceed uh, the current incumbents that I have um, I feel that by kind of trying to formulate that kind of like a, a kind of long term strategy um, y- you can start to kind of ward off those uh, those kind of devils on your shoulder kind of telling you to get in the, the latest hot you know hot thing that's just scored um, a couple of goals but it's difficult I, I talked today about the fact that my my brain was telling me long term to go for Morata um, and to, to concentrate on on that uh, premium option and, and ended up bringing in Lukaku for uh, that kind of short term gain that I thought would come off from those couple of tasty home fixtures um, and I'll yet to see if that's going to actually turn out um, like a, a good idea but I would uh, I, I'd again also you know remember that there's 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 there there are good instances to to take hits they do exist um, but to, to to always ask yourself kind of really ha- kind of ask yourself how likely you are to, to kind of win out on on those those risks sage words there so uh, obviously you psychological nuts out there would know that the rim system is the re- reflection impulse model which we spoke about uh, a few months ago in the psychology corner right um so that's it let's move on to the wrap-up and uh changes for next week so um my rim has not been ma- managed very well this week i did a uh, did a raise transfer on saturday i uh i, I was watching the uh watching the man united goals come in and first goal, second goal, third goal, no Lukaku involvement, was getting very angry. And then I saw that Vardy, who I there have been big question marks on, you guys have both had kind of pre, uh, very good strikers performing well for you, whereas my third striker had been Vardy doing nothing, much to Nick's delight. And uh, I, I just, I don't know what it was. I, the red mist descended, and before I knew it, I removed Vardy for, for Wilson. Um, I've done that. And now we found out tonight that Phil Jones is probably ruled out for the Brighton game. So I, I'm on for another minus four hit by the looks of it. It's just, I'm just not helping myself, am I? Um, but I think oh. I'm probably... It's looking like Jones out for a City mid- defender. Well, well, you know that television rules the nation. I thought you were going to say that you were watching I'm a Celebrity and saw uh, Jamie Vardy's wife in the shower with <laughs> Dennis Wise and then thought that maybe you were selling him because of that. But I think I'm not sure. It's quite, quite a rash move there, Tom. I mean, I mentioned West Ham. I think Vardy could easily smash it against. Them. I wouldn't but, you be know, surprised. It was very rash. It's, um, I know you're a big fan of Callum Wilson from your uh, Twitter posts and graphics that you post up. So uh, yeah, you know, no me, surprise me and Paul there. can have a lot of fun with him. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Um, so what about you, Nick? What are you doing? Well, I think for my move, and it's it's, it's a bit of a controver- um, controversial one, and I've kind of 
been seeking a little bit of input on the interwebs as to whether this is a sensible idea at the moment. But I'm in a very strange situation at the moment because I've got two free transfers and a team that I'm very happy with, and there's nothing that's sticking out. No, no you know, I'd, I'd almost want, I almost want a problem like an injury just so I've got something to do. Very jealous, you know, like I just. I'm tempted to do Sterling to Pogba and it's just it really kind of makes me feel a bit awkward because I've got Sterling playing Huddersfield um, up next and that's such a you know a great fixture but I've actually tripled up with Manchester City at the moment with Jesus and Otamendi and I've got no Manchester United coverage so I feel like you know Paul Pogba his price point and his uh, points per game he just looks so tempting to get on that Pogba wagon so I'm tempted by that move um, there's a few others I was weighing up, such as maybe um, Tom Carroll to Pogba and Jesus to Wilson, but I'm, I'm not sure about that one. I'm tempted by the straight swap. What about you? Yeah, well, I wish I had something exciting, an uh, exciting move to tell you about, but I, I think I'm still determined for a long-term plan to uh, bring Murata in uh, for Lukaku and, and somehow get in Pogba to the midfield. Um, but but for this week, um, with the the tough away fixture for Chelsea um, and the, the 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 home fixture for Lukaku, I'm not going to make the, the, that switch yet. Um, elsewhere, I I don't really have any real problems. Um, I've tried to to balance the the funding of my squad to allow for some injuries. So the the injury to to Jones is is annoying and he definitely would have been in the starting eleven but I think I've got enough to to cope I think Daniels will probably come in um, for him playing at Swansea away um, I I thought that Abraham might force my hands um, it sounds like his his injury isn't isn't too bad um, potentially just out for the one game week um, so I think I'm going to stick and see how the landscape looks uh, come the end of another week. Oh, that makes sense. Thank you very much, guys. Um, so let's move on to, to the very end. So we are Who Got The Assist. Uh, find us at whogotheassist.com uh, on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Yeah, and there's a theme to this pod and there's a theme week in, week out. Um, do you know who got the theme last week, Tom? It was Andy G again. I think it probably was. Yeah, he <laughs> tends, he tends, let's just say it's him because he tends to get it. Um, we, oh, actually, I gave him a green apple, I think, instead of a gold star. Yeah, yeah, I think Marco got it on there. Uh, WhatsApp first. But um, what, what was it, the theme? Was it Red Hot Chili Peppers? That was it. Yeah, sorry, guys. Um, yeah, so Red Hot Chili Peppers was the theme last week. And uh, congratulations to Marco and Andy G for getting it. If you can get the theme this week, um, drop us a Twitter message, email, WhatsApp, however you communicate with us. There's many different ways, Facebook. Um, yeah, and let us know, and um, we'll give you a shout-out. Um, the league code as well, if you haven't joined our league yet, it's 1538-17403. And, if, and at the moment, if you want to win the league, you've got to win the whole FPL thing. So uh, <laughs> yeah. good luck with that. Yeah, thanks very much, guys. We'll be back in game week uh, 13. Thank you very much, Ewan, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's been been a good time. It's been a revelation. And uh, thanks very much, Nick, for joining me. <laughs> no worries. I'm here week in, week out. <laughs> yeah. Hope it's assisted you. Thanks very much, everybody. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.